Hello, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Fourth and Goal, the Sacramento State football-centric podcast here on StateHornet.com. I am your podcast editor, Mac Irvin III, and I'm joined once again by... This is your favorite beat reporter, Brandon Bailey, and this week we got a special, special week coming up because it's playoffs, baby. That's right, it's playoffs, baby, and we finally know who Sac State will be facing in the second round of the FCS playoffs. It is South Dakota State after they demolished UC Davis and ended their season on Saturday. But before we dive into the analysis for that game, we need to talk a little bit about the all Big Sky teams that were released over the weekend as those came in. Sac State had 16 players across all four teams. That's first team, second team, third team, and honorable mentions. Leading the way, let's start off with the first team players. We got Pierre Williams, the wideout, Marshall Martin, the tight end, uh, offensive lineman Thomas Parker, defensive end Josiah Erickson, Kyle Sentowski, the kicker, and Asher O'Hara was the all-purpose first-team Big Sky selection. Brandon, talk to me about these selections. Did any of them really surprise you? Did any of them stand out to you? I think I think almost all of them are pretty fairly earned, I'd say. Yeah, all, all of those ones on the first team was, um, I would say they've earned that. Um, specifically, I think, just me watching, not even going off his of stats, like you could see the impact all of those players made, like in the game, like the Pierre Williams, the Asher, even Thomas Parker on the O line, like all of them, like you can say those guys made a difference. Whereas Pierre's like that receiver is just uncoverable for them. I mean, you put him against the number one corner against the other team, and you know he doesn't really shy away from doing what he does. And then Asher just adds that he gives you everything, you know, he gives you a running, the pass. And um, just a wild card type of player that can can do it all, you know what I mean? So all of the and not even just speaking on those three guys specifically, but everybody that made the first team, I think it was well earned. I do think we had some snubs though. Yeah, we definitely had some snubs that didn't make the first team. I would like to also point out the Astro Hera being the all-purpose player. He was the only unanimous selection from Sacramento State. Mm. There were a couple of other unanimous selections, but they were from other teams in the conference, of course. Eric Barrier from Eastern Washington. Well, we knew he was probably going to get quarterback for the first team. Well, Mac, when you're leaping over the whole big sky, I, I think that's <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of what happens. You know, you heard a, you heard of one guy. It's like okay. You Not to a, mention he had a big role. I think pr- yeah. every game that they played, so every that's game, probably played into sure, it. I'm sure. sure the hurdles helped too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was me just you know picking that out because you know I I know teams probably be like, how is this dude doing this to us? And we know what he's gonna do. <laughs> we know it's coming. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the second team. We got Cooper Richardson and Brandon Weldon on the offensive line. And this is where we kind of start to get into snub territory, I feel. You got linebackers Marte Mapu and Marcus Hawkins down on the second team, along with Munchie Filer third at cornerback. Now, you and I had a very vigorous back-and-forth debate about whether Marcus Hawkins especially deserved to be moved up to that first team, and we both feel like he should be. But at the same time, it is – kind of hard for us because you know we're very Sac State centric we don't have a view on a lot of you know we don't watch the other Big Sky teams week in week out so we probably don't have as much information as the rankers do but it kind of feels like he had the resume to justify another another year of first team I mean 74 tackles three picks a fumble recovery five sacks on the year for a linebacker that seems like first-team numbers to me, but I acknowledge it was probably a hard choice for them. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's hard because there's so many different players that add so many different assets to their team. But think about it, Mac. We didn't have not 
one defensive player go first team. And we had, uh, not we, but Sac State had one of the better defenses throughout the Big Sky, whether it came down to the run, and especially in the past where they were like second um, in the Big Sky in interceptions. So, I mean, when you put that into consideration, you you got to, it has to be somebody on the team that was worth to be first, first team. Um, to me, personally, just in my opinion, I feel like Hawkins and Filer and Mapu all had a strong case. Um, and here's why. I think Filer, like, he was one of those guys where he can, he was like shadow, he could shadow like your number one receiver and they'll kind of just go away for the game. We've seen that. I, I feel like I've seen that happen a couple of times, at least in my opinion. And then Hawkins, I think he set the tone for like their rushing defense. So, but like you said, it's kind of hard when you're comparing it to all these guys and all these different schools because there's just so many different factors that go into it, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely feel like each one of them had a case for the first team, but mm. I wouldn't want to be in the rankers just position in this case either. Cause I mean, I'm sure it's so hard to narrow it down Definitely, <laughs> with all the teams that are in the big sky and picking players for, what do you think they go by? Do you think it's like off of just strict numbers? I guess they can't go off numbers. Cause we just read Hawkins uh, <laughs> thing is just probably opinion, I guess. Mm, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm not really sure what the makeup of the committee is, but yeah. I would assume that they would be people that would be most familiar with the Big Sky on a week in week out basis. So it'd have to be people that are watching at least the big highlights, like the extended highlight reels. You know those 30 minute clips. Yeah, because I know we were watching a 30 minute clip of uh, the South Dakota State UC Davis game, which apparently we didn't need to watch all 30 minutes of. <laughs> but, you know, I'm sure they're the people that would watch those kind of highlight clips, and I'm sure they have a lot more information and maybe firsthand looks than maybe what we're seeing. But like I said, you know, we are Sac State-centric, so yeah. I think that kind of limits our scope in a way. Definitely. But, you know, I think it was definitely a case where they had – they had a shot to be in the first team, and it's arguable that they should have been in there. It was nice to see, though, like um, some of the guys who kind of started heating up towards the end of the season, like Scadabo, got third team. You know, you had guys like Malik Jeter who made a pretty good impact on the um, defense. They got third team. Even though I feel like there were some snubs, I think the big guy did do a good job of giving Sac State their credit because, I mean, they had a pretty good season despite what critics might say about the strength of schedule or whatever, but – you know, I think they had a pretty decent, pretty good season, and their players, the ones that were selected, all were like should have at least been on some type of um, all conference team, whether it be first, second, or third. Yeah, I definitely agree, and I think it speaks to the level of production that Scadaboo had yeah. to come into the season that late as you know the go-to running back and kind of starting running back mm-hmm. for him to be selected third team that late into the season. I think pretty much shows the kind of work that he put in. And he's only a freshman, so he's only got... a freshman. So much upside. I know. He's got a lot of time to go, man. He might be knocking on the door of some draft team's radars, you know. Hey, man, you never know what could happen in, in the course of three years. Yeah. Rounding out the uh, third team selections was quarterback Jake Dunaway and punter Sam Clark. And then uh, defensive tackle Jet Stanley, he was named to the Big Sky Honorable Mention team. 16 players in total. I think that's pretty impressive for a one-year team. How do you feel about Dunaway going third team? Could you make a case for him moving up to second or first, or is that kind of where he's put because of the two QB situation? I think he was definitely locked out of first 
regardless because of how the kid from Eastern Washington's been playing. Mm-hmm. Like he was, he, there was no way he was going to get first, and neither was Asher if he was the only starting mm-hmm. quarterback. So I think you're looking at a second team option here, and I mean. You know, we didn't see a lot of Davis Alexander, but mm. I believe he played okay in that Portland State game that we watched. So, I mean, it's t- uh, <laughs> two touchdowns, three interceptions. Mm. But, you know, again, now it's just the one game that we watched. True, we didn't definitely. see the whole season. True, but, true, true. I mean, yeah, it's a tough it's a tough break for Jake, but I think he'll take third team yeah. uh, with the season he had. I think the two-quarterback system did hurt him a little bit, mm-hmm. but – I think their team is – I think that's pretty fair. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Also, in the Big Sky Awards, Troy Taylor took home his second consecutive, as far as Sac State seasons played, second consecutive Coach of the Year title. He's gone 18-6 and six so far as Sacramento State head coach in two years. 16-1 and one against Big Sky schools. 16-1. and one. <laughs> Say it again, Mike. 16-1. and One, one loss in t- – <laughs> I mean, that kind of speaks for itself. Mm. That's that was quite a gift for Sac State, I would say. <laughs> in, in two years, I mean, hey, shout out to Mark Orr. I mean, he made that high right there. Yep, I think it's all up from here. I think it's all up from here. But of course, to go all up, that means they have to win this second round matchup against a very, very, very good team in South Dakota State. Oh my goodness, the Jackrabbits! They demolished UC Davis on Saturday 56 to 24 it wasn't even close I don't even know where you want me to start Mac I mean it was ugly on both sides of the ball for Davis but what really stood out to me just from watching the game live their run game is different man they had two backs that almost went for 200 yards Isaiah Davis a true freshman ran for 217 yards on just 15 carries he averaged 14 and a half yards per carry and then you got Pierre Strong who went for 172 yards on 19 carries. I mean, they didn't even throw over 100 yards in the passing game, and it's like we didn't have to. I'm, I'm going to need you to back it up a little bit. You said 14 and a half yards on average per carry. 14 and a half yards on average per carry. That's insanity. That's a first down and three more yards every time, Mac. <laughs> or four more yards every time, Mac. And, and we sat here and watched some of the highlights, and I mean – I don't want to be disrespectful to UC Davis's defense, but they weren't there. They did not have they anything were, for them. I mean, they, they handed the ball off. They would bounce to the outside, nothing but green. Bounce to the inside, nothing but green. They would run through the middle, shake off a few guys, and there'd be nothing but green in front of them. And it was just ugly, man. And then I don't know if that was a testament to how bad their defense was or – just the situations that their defense were put in because their quarter they threw like six interceptions that game. That's a lot. The starter, Hastings. Miles Hastings, yeah. threw two interceptions. They got him out. Rodriguez came in like towards the end of the second quarter. I think it was like literally like their last possession. Looked like he was going to do good. And then he came in in the third quarter. Mm. And it was four more interceptions on that night. I think any time you have to throw the ball only 18 times as an offense, that that's a pretty good night. Their, their quarterback, Chris Oladokun, 8 of 17 for 89 yards and two touchdowns. That's not a good stat. That's not a very good stat line. Mm-mm. But, I mean, when your running game gets almost 400 yards. If it, is, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. right. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. 454 yards on the ground, to be precise. 
So having seen this South Dakota State team in action, does that worry you or shake your confidence in any way about this upcoming matchup with Sac State? Um, I think it's definitely going to be a good game. It's not going to be one of those games that we've been seeing Sac State do to teams all season or what they just did to UC Davis themselves. Like I was telling you before we came in here and um, started the podcast, I think it's going to come down to which team can stop the run first. Both teams like to run the ball. I mean, Sac State is more so a balanced offense, I would say. But I think whichever team is just more physical and and, and shuts down the run first or at least contain it because, I mean, Davis couldn't – they didn't even contain it, Mac. They didn't even contain it. It was hard to watch. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I, this is the last time I'm going to bring up Davis. But, Jesus, they need to figure that out. I think whichever team can just shut, can at least contain the running back or, you know, minimize it, that's going to be the one that come out on top. So I'm not sure who that will be, but Sac State's played pretty well against the run game all year. So it should be a fairly even matchup, I would say. I'm looking at their passing numbers to see if they're afraid of passing the ball. And it looks like they aren't. 28 touchdowns through the air, 63% completion percentage throughout the year, 2,809 yards. They average about 234 passing yards per game. So you also have to take into account this South Dakota State team were runner-ups last year by mm-hmm. two points to Sam Houston State. They Correct. lost in the national championship game. So coming off of that, now they have to come into Sac State and knock off the Big Sky champion Hornets. Yeah, that's It's going to be such a challenging game, and I'm really curious to see how this plays out. I hope that we do not see a repeat of 2019 oh, where yeah. one side just comes out super down of it. Like if it's, if it's 21 to zero at halftime again, I don't think I'll be able to take that. Well, do you think in Sac State case, does a buy help them? And in, in the fact that, I mean, they will have some players that come back healthier, like the guys like um, Pierre Williams, I'm sure. So, I mean, a buy, it can definitely help in the, in the fact that you get some guys probably returning, um, that was banged up, or even not even just the guys that were hurt in the previous game, just guys that's banged up from the course of playing a full season. So with that being said, do you think that a buy could help them, or does it kind of hurt them sometimes? Because, you know, I mean, we see in the NFL or, you know, in, in, in instances where they have a playoffs where teams that have buys, they kind of come out slow, and it kind of could hurt them, you know? So in that sense, do you think it will help or hurt Sac State that they had that bye week? You could make a case for either or. I'm always going to argue that the buy is more helpful than not mm-hmm. because it gives you, like, you don't have to exert all the energy you would on a game day. Now, you, you can still practice, and I'm sure they did, and you can still go hard and practice, which I'm sure they did, but it's not going to be the same as game-level intensity, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And I think that will have a benefit in the long term for Sac State. But... Having said that, the momentum that South Dakota State will carry into this game off of last week, knowing that they knocked off Davis and knowing that they can knock off teams in a convincing fashion. I mean, they've beaten North Dakota State earlier this year. They've beaten North Dakota. They've beaten teams, decent teams. Like, there's a reason they're in the playoffs. So I think there's also a case to be had that a team coming off a win in a game is going to have more momentum than a team that doesn't. But, you know, again, it's a case-by-case basis. Because if you look at South Dakota State's run last year, they had to they had to play in the first round. They didn't have a bye. It can go both ways. You can have a bye 
and not be as successful as a team that didn't have a buy and vice versa. But I think it's really just going to come down. I think we just have to see them both on the field at the same time to make a concrete decision. Just to go back on your point about how they're coming off of momentum, don't sleep about the momentum sacks they got. I mean, I'm sure they're still tasting that loss from 2019, two years ago or not. It ain't no way they finish. They they just gonna roll over like how they did that first time. And I know, especially for all the returners who are on that team. You, come on, man! And I just know Coach Taylor don't you you didn't prove that you can win out or win out in the Big Sky. You didn't prove that you can beat all these teams in the Big Sky. There's no way he's just gonna go without a fight. Even if they do work to lose, I think it's gonna be a very very close game. I think so too. Very, I think. Very, you know, I've been predicting throughout the season that a game's going to come down to a field goal or a last-minute drive. This looks like that game. This looks like that game. Definitely. Definitely. I'm since, I just want to let you know that um, Kyle since Kelsey's dad, he's not, a, he's, he's not a fan of your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so. I've noticed. He's a, he's a fan of some of my opinions, but not, not my prediction. Definitely wasn't a fan of your last week prediction. <laughs> but with that being said, man, let's go ahead and get in those predictions, man. What's your what's the outcome of this game? How you see it going, and what's the score? I feel like this is going to be a high-scoring game. It's going to come down to one of the last drives. So I'm going to say 45-42, to 42, Sac State survives against South Dakota State. I'm going opposite. I'm going to go 28-31, to 31, Sac State. And I got Kyle Santowski drilling a field goal as the last point scored that game. You just wanted those brownie points on Twitter, didn't you? (laughs) 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 All right. So we are both in on Sac State to beat South Dakota State this weekend at Horta Stadium, 6 o'clock. And that is going to do it for this episode of Fourth and Goal. If you like this episode, please go check out all the stories, podcasts, and content you can find on StateHornet.com. And we'll see you next time. Yeah!